You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome to another edition of the Coach T Podcast. My name is Isaiah Thomas. Great to hear from all the Zeke fanatics out there. Uh, if I do have, I probably have like six or seven. One's my mother. One day she'll actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> so today I have a great guest, uh, one of the best officials in the state of Michigan, and a person I call a good friend who's actually best friends with my high school coach, Mark Jinx, Mr. Scott Strickler. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm good, my man. Thanks for having me on, coach. Yeah, appreciate having you on. Now, you know, usually we talk shop in the beginning, kind of figure out well, where I first met. The, the first time I can remember actually meeting uh, Scott was when I was a junior in high school. We would go to the Heartland Invitational, which was a big team tournament, pool play. You got five matches in. And Scott actually refereed me against uh, Sam Bond from Monroe. I remember it very distinctly because I got the first takedown. And then I lost 8-2. to two. Sam ended up being a taking seventh in the state that year at 215. And um, Coach J.J. is my good friend. We've been, you know, and throughout the years from when I was competing to when I was coaching to officiating to back to coaching, I've always kept in touch with Scott and, and we've developed a friendship over the years and learned a lot from not just from the officiating side, but also the coaching side, which I don't think a lot of people know about his coaching uh accolades and things like that but we'll get into it so like i said great to have you on today good to be here yeah we go back a ways um and you mentioned a name i want to bring up again and that's my good friend mark jinx he's done a great a lot of great things out in that uh that lansing area and just just recently retired after several several years with the uh parks and rec out there and, and the holt area and uh you know still keep in contact with them. That's one thing about wrestling people. Eesh. Unless you pass on, you stay in contact. <laughs> yeah. That's just, it's just the way it is. Cause the stories get better and better every time we tell them. So oh, yeah, you know oh, that yeah. I've been trying to get uh, coach Jinx on for a while. Hopefully I'll be able to uh, very uh, inspirational in my life and uh, gave you the motto. Yeah. You just got to keep going moving forward, persevere through the hard times and giving a goal, which I feel like a lot of my coaching came from guys like Coach Jinx and, and still talk to him this day, pretty much like a second father to me. And uh, hopefully, I hope to see him the next time I'm in Lansing. So I, I hear you there. He might still have that flip phone, though. So I'm not sure that you're going to gonna be able to do a podcast with you, but uh, you know, we'll work on that. Right, right. So tell me, Scott, how did you get involved in this great sport of wrestling? Uh, well, I'm glad you asked because uh, I've been doing it for a bit, uh, 54 years to be exact. I, I started at age six uh, with little guy wrestling. I lived in and raised and born and raised in Pontiac. And my dad and a couple of the parents started a program called the Pontiac Chargers. And we were, we were world beaters. It was, it was a beautiful thing. Great introduction to the sport for me. Um, but I did everything. I played all kinds of sports. We didn't, uh, my dad was kind of a, he was a phys ed teacher in the Pontiac schools and we did, you know, football, baseball, you had to be doing something. And uh, based on the fact that I'm, uh, you know, all of 5'8 right now, basketball was out, wrestling's fit the mold for me. And, uh, you know, you talk about coaches that you've had over the years that have molded you into, you know, not only being a coach but a good person. I've been totally blessed with uh, the coaches that I've had. Um, actually, I had a rare thing. I went to three different high schools. 
Okay. And I tell everybody I was a military brat, yeah. uh, but I never changed the addresses. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I went to Pontiac Catholic when Pontiac Catholic was a thing. Uh, it's now Notre Dame prep. And I uh, had a great coach by the name of Dick Moscovic. Um, it's funny about Dick. Um, I wrestled for him for two years and he was a school teacher in Clarkston. And later we'll get into where I coached at Clarkston, but his boys were between the two of his sons. They were, they won five state championships individually. They wrestled their brother rice. Wow. And I was coaching at Clarkston and I was like, I, I just, I felt like I wanted to beg him to bring his kids back to this home district. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he wasn't having it. I get it. He got his, you know, brother rice education, so on and so forth. Um, uh, but my, my coach, my senior year was Kent Balo. Um, super guy doing a very, a lot of good things with our uh, association as far as our uh, hall of fame association goes and stuff like that. And, uh, I was uh, I was a good wrestler, but I I was a harder worker probably. I I never placed. I went to states a couple of times. We didn't place top eight in my day. We placed yeah. top six. Yep. And I lost twice where I'd have wrestled for seventh and eighth if they had a seventh and eighth. But it was it was all good. I was actually going to walk on the Western Michigan my senior after my senior year. I I wasn't getting any offers. I didn't place. And rightfully so. Um, and then out of the blue in August, I got a call from a gentleman by the name of Carl Briggs, where you might have uh, <laughs> some recollection of Mr. Briggs. Yes, Carl uh, Briggs, he, uh, he, he, Western's first. Yep. University of Michigan. Yes, he was. Well, he was fresh out of college, and he took over the Saginaw Valley. The Saginaw Valley is just bringing wrestling back. And he called me and asked me if I was interested, tuition, books, and fees. I didn't think twice about it. I, I, I'm, I'm a guy that goes through life uh, trying to limit my coulda, wouldas, and shouldas in life. Mm-hmm. And I jumped at the opportunity. Probably the greatest move for me ever. Um, I qualified for the Nationals all my first three years at Saginaw Valley. I was a couple years coach, or a captain, I mean. And... Lo and behold, August of my senior year going in, they dropped the wrestling program. Title IX was kicking in heavy. And instead of uh, adding a female sport, they decided to drop a male sport. Ta-da. So um, I, they granted me my scholarship. I, I took it, obviously, because I wasn't at that point in August. Where are you going? You, 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 everybody's kind of called for and monies are taken. So, uh, finished up uh, and I lived in Pontiac still and OU had wrestling Oakland university. Mm-hmm. So I had five, um, credits to graduate from college. I transferred to OU. I had to wrestle one more year. I had a year of eligibility first year of the match a year. I blow up my knee surgery. Ta-da. We're all done. Well, no regrets. Again, I don't sit back here saying, oh, man, if I would have transferred to OU and maybe wrestled that last year, what do you think would have happened? I don't have that. <laughs> I lived it. It was, it was perfect things for me. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, the end of the 80s. And I was graduated college looking for things. My dad knew a, a parent that was coaching Clarkston High School because they couldn't get a wrestling coach. 
he's asked, Hey, you ever think of coaching my dad? And I said, no, yeah, dad, my dad, um, was a 20 year official himself Mm -hmm. for wrestling in high school. So, um, he introduced me to the gentleman. I started coaching at Clarkston. Six years later, I was blessed with an undefeated 26 and 0 team. And we won the class A state championship. <laughs> Walk me through that. Like the, 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 the go oh, from your finisher. I got a better one for you. Oh. I got a better one for you. My first dual meet ever coaching. I got a clipboard. I got a pencil. I'm all dressed up snazzy. My legs are crossed. I'm taking notes. You know, my kids. Right. Well, after the third match, the clipboard was broken over my knee. <laughs> I threw a chair and I got shut out 54 to nothing. I remember driving home that day. It was Milford that did it to him. And I remember driving home going, boy, oh boy, I'm not sure I'm cut out to this coaching stuff. And sure enough, fast forward six years later, we were, uh, we had a good squad there at Clarkston. Mm-hmm. I half half jokingly called us the Clarkston convicts <laughs> because you know, you need an edgy kid. Right. All right. Well, I had a great group of kids that I could easily corral and uh, we, we wrestled temperance Bedford in the finals and nobody gave us a snowball's chance in hell. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. They were ranked number one all year. We were number two, blah, blah, blah. And we just went on a pinning spree and, Won a state championship. Yeah. And both yeah. of you guys went in undefeated also. Undefeated, 26-0, and 0, good stuff, you know. Um, still keeping contact with, shoot, tons of them. We had a 25-year reunion. COVID kind of messed our 30-year reunion up a little bit. Um, but we, all, we still stay in contact, a great bunch of kids. You know, it's the greatest thing in the world, and you know this. When you run into them, they still call you coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they still call you coach brings a smile to your face and, and everything oh. else. Uh, it's, yeah. I was just thinking about yeah. your run. You, you had to beat Granville who two years yeah. later wins the state title. I believe in all right. I want to yeah. say 93. Yeah. Cause they beat Western. Yeah. They beat Warren Lincoln who I think wins it that in 92. Yep. Hello. <laughs> yep. And then Bedford, I mean, Bedford was winning from like the eighties and now it's won. Yeah. Multiple they were- state titles. Bill Rainier was the pronounced coach. I'll never forget this. I, I, you know, I get sidetracked sometimes. I do, but our coach. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a cool story. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm up against the legend, which I am. I'm, I'm Greenhorn up against the legend. I was our first time ever getting there. We had like a three-hour break before the finals after the semis. So I'm telling the kids, all right, everybody, go to your room, relax, whatever. You know, I don't want you to sit around. No, move around a little bit. I said nobody can go in the pool. That's all I say. I'm like, all right, coach. Well, I'm nervous. And what I would always do before matches, I would plan out my lineup in their lineup and I would do a score. And I was pretty damn good with it. I didn't like the results I came up with. So I shared that. I didn't share that with nobody. <laughs> but I went to walk into the arena just to blow some steam off in air. And I noticed that he, the coach Rainier had his whole team in there. And they were in this like back room and all the coaches were standing in front of it. And I'm like, what's what are they doing and i'm like oh my gosh i'm doing everything wrong he's got them all focused and sitting together and concentrating and da 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 i got my guys running around playing grab ass in the in the in the <laughs> hotel and ta-da it worked for my kids 
Mm-hmm. It, that's what it, that's what it worked for my kids. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, but yeah, I, I have an utmost respect for coach Rainier and, uh, his legacy. So it was kind of a, it was a great run for us. And I coached one more year, but I also, you know, I had, I, you know, I won a state championship in 91, but it wasn't the highlight of my year. I got married in September of that year. Mm-hmm. All right. So I wanted to start a family and whatnot. And I knew if I coached in family, I, I couldn't give it my all with the coaching thing. So right. I coached one more year, handed the reins over to Mike DeGain, who had a great run himself. And I just, I started focusing more on the officiating side of things. I was able to pick and choose my days and times and, and, and when I would be away. And uh, that's been a great run too. So that's when I started doing more of the officiating. My dad got me officiating when I was wrestling a Saginaw Valley. Uh-huh. I would do it for some side change. <laughs> that's, I think that's kind of high match here or there, you know? So, I, cause you know, I've, I've been, this is my 40th year of officiating mm-hmm. and I'm 60. <laughs> All right. You don't look it. Well, I appreciate that. I feel it <laughs> sometimes, especially in them back to back days. Oh, but, yeah. uh, but uh, no, so I got into it young. Um, and that was because of my dad and my brother also was a 35 year plus official, mm-hmm. um, until he retired. So it's kind of officiating's in my family, the wrestling things in my family. Uh, you know, I've been blessed to be surrounded with some great people, friends that I'll have forever. And I feel like it's always been a theme in wrestling is that you surround yourself with great people. And there's this, this bond that, you know, most of most of my wrestling friends I see during the wrestling season. But even that time away, that 300, how many days it is, when we get back together, it's like times that pass. We're still in that that same moment that we had previously. Yep. And I I think it's it's an interesting way. I don't know if other sports are like that, where you have that that family atmosphere of seeing people after so long, and and the fact that a lot of the people that I've been around from coaching, officiating, etc. There's just not a lot of egos uh, in wrestling. Correct. Correct. When, yep. when it comes to that, everybody understands what it took to, you know, cut weight and things like that. And, and I think it being man. such a humbling sport, I think, yes. has a lot to do with it as well. Oh, yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, what would you say was the differences between you coaching and you officiating? Did you approach it any differently? Well, I think every coach should officiate something. They should officiate their challenge matches. They should officiate something because you'll get a such a better appreciation for officiating as a coach. Therefore I knew how it was to coach. I knew that was no easy target. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pretty blessed. I, 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 I was already, you know, it wasn't like I was starting off greenhorn. I was the guy that used to coach Clarkston and now I'm the referee guy. And, uh, um, I just, I just pride myself. And, and when I teach kids, it's just, you know, trying to be, con- just be consistent, just be consistent. That's all they can ask. Be consistent. And one team's red and one team's green. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got a lot of friends in wrestling. Well, I got friends that sit in the corner that I'm refereeing their matches and they're not, get, I can't have them. I, nobody gets any calls. Everybody earns it. <laughs> You know, it's not like, Oh, he got this. He got, nobody gets anything in wrestling. Everything's wrestling is earned. Mm-hmm. That's why when somebody lock hands and everybody yells free move, there's no free move. 
<laughs> nothing's free. Uh, nothing's free in wrestling. No. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough sport. We have a great relationship, I think with coaches and, and officials. Um, I don't know that I, I talk to other officials in other sports. We'll go out and have drinks or uh, dinner afterwards and we'll be in the same place as the coaches. And we'll be sitting there talking about the activities for the day. Mm-hmm. And, and how we, how things went and blah, blah, blah. And maybe not even that, maybe the football game on the TV. Right. <laughs> um, but we can coexist when the last whistle's blown. Right. There's not that animosity amongst each other. And that's probably what has kept me in the sport as long as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it was a grind, trust me, lately it's, it's been tough. Officiating's tough. Officials are an easy target. And hence how we're having difficulties keeping the officiating ranks populated enough. Mm-hmm. And where do you um, think that starts off from? Is that because yeah. we're not doing a good job of as coaches nurturing, nurturing and cultivating those officials? Well, him put it this way. School levels? I'm glad you asked that. Here's, here's my point because sportsmanship has kind of gotten out of whack if I'm a young man on a team and I watch my coach just belittle an official, what makes me think, Hey, boy, I can't wait till I'm on that side. And then I can get yelled at by coach like that. It's there's a lot with how coach, how coaches handle officials. Mm-hmm. And if I'm from a, you know, we're getting kids that are appreciating that wrestling programs, but they're generally with the programs that, Hey, Things happen out on the mat. We're going to win some. We're going to lose some. Nobody's up against somebody else, so on and so forth. Let's be sportsmen about it. Right. Um, and that's where I totally believe it starts. It starts with the, the parents' sportsmanship as well as, you know, everybody's. Sportsmanship, is, it's, it's, such a, it's a tough thing to put yourself out to be an official in the first place, but don't couple it with now being treated terribly because everybody's got to have their own way. Right. All right. There's a winner. There's a loser. That's tough sometimes, but you know, so be consistent, try to do the best you can. You know, one, one guy's green, one guy's red, shake hands, raise mm-hmm. a hand. Let's go. at it. I took a year off from coaching. It just kind of coincided. So I coached at Western for 10 years and then took that year off. This is before we knew about COVID or anything like that. And last winter, I came back as a middle school coach here where I teach at Pinconning. And I remember we went to an individual tournament at Dow. And there was some calls that I wanted to, like, jump on the official about. And I said to myself, what's that going to do? If yeah. anything, my ask the official why they saw it that way and move on. And talk to the yeah. head official about this is what I saw, which I think coaches, this is my – you know, me on my soapbox here, talk yeah. to the head official when you're Please. at tournaments, you the middle school tournaments, especially Please. to say, Hey, this official on this call, could you talk to him about it? Because the head official is the mentor it is the teacher. They're the ones that are supposed to go to that young official say, Hey, great job. You're doing this, this, this is what you can work on for the future match. And Took then the that builds right that official's confidence right up. Yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what, and that's why there is an effect, uh, uh, an established official with these group of younger officials so that you've got somebody to bounce what you see going on and then they can present it in a little more civilized manner. 
Yes. And that totally. And, and that's what we preach. We preach. That's a pre meet. You know, we're at tournaments where you got a meeting there. Hey coaches here. I'm Scott. I got everybody here has got a total of a half a year experience. Um, you know, come to me please. Cause I want these guys to officiate next year. Mm-hmm. And it, and it works out pretty good. Yeah. It, it, it does. And we're heated. <laughs> you know that there's some coaches that they, they, they have every intentions of coming to me, but their mouth still opens and it blurts. And it, <laughs> yeah. So then, but that's not bad for the official either, because no. you gotta get, you gotta get tough. You gotta toughen up that skin a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so oftentimes you're getting a new, new young kid that's coaching mm-hmm. and he's got to learn the proper protocol as well. So uh, as an official, you know, we need to be a little bit more lenient with them, but then to kind of take them aside and say, Hey, you might want to pick and choose your battles a little bit. And uh, you know, if you argue every call, you, you have no validity when you have a, a legitimate one. Mm-hmm. Um. Um, but again, that, that happens with the turnover in, in coaching too, that our coaching ranks, you know, and they're like nothing else There's a big turnover in it. Um, so, um, but I, you know, I think the state of wrestling is really good. I think the addition of girls wrestling and a girl state finals is off the charts. Oh my gosh. And we only proved it by what we did this summer as a team of girls, you know, and placing in all these national tournaments as high as it is. And, you know, Hey, bottom line, we, we went from six places to eight places. What was the idea? Get more people, the experience of being an all stater. Yes. So why not add, add the girls to the mix as well? So, yes. And um, I will say this as a member of the Michigan Wrestling Association, our coaches association, along with the officials and MHSA, the time it took to build that to what it ended up being at Ford Field was really magical. And I know that some people were like, man, we need to push this. But when you want to do something, you want to do it the right way. And I think that 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 was always all about. Let's do it the right way and and get the give those girls the opportunity to be showcased just along with the with the male athletes. I thought it was really cool. The, the Eaton Rapids and Stephen Phil Lakeshore siblings winning state titles really matches apart from each other. Um, right. I mean, that's a really cool story. And, and you mentioned something about how our athletes did in Fargo. We had multiple finalists and all Americans and, and, and freestyle for cadets that send juniors. And I want to say one of the dual teams were runner up in the country. To California, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Which yep. California and Hawaii have been like the big, girls wrestling states for the last i'd say 20 years um, yes. they've been producing some some really great great wrestling there so when it comes to it, we talked a little bit about this i am the palace i love the palace the palace was as a person that wrestled there the first year of the palace it was the the perfect oh. venue yeah. for wrestling yes. and, when it, and when it moved to ford field it was the perfect venue for the athletes I mean, this is me, in my opinion, because I can remember having to warm up and having to wait several weight classes before I could get down into the dugout, so to speak, to warm up. Yes. It's we had so times, much more room. <laughs> so much more room for the athletes yes. to warm up, whether you want to do sprints on Ford Field, the turf, you want to go inside the thing and work on your takedowns, things like that. Um, but what goes into a decision goes into uh, when you're picking venues like that and, and weighing procedures, like, could you walk us through some of that? 
Well, uh, obviously, uh, they're they're not knee jerk decisions. Uh, these are big, 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 huge decisions. I, I mean, the fact that one we have all of our state finals under one roof is our it, is, it was unprecedented twenty five years ago when we started this. And I say we, I should back off. It was the brainstorm of Bill Bupp, who was the associate director at the time, um, and he grab the number one guy in the state and that would be Ron Nagy. Mm -hmm. And they formulated this plan to, to hold all this under one site. Well, you start to limit yourself as to what facilities are able to be able to be housed like that. And so we started off at Joe Lewis. That was the premier you know, place at the time. And we were there for three years and then the palace offered us an opportunity to come there and it was magical. We were able to put 12 <laughs> mats down, you know, you got four mat, you have four divisions, 12 mats. If you were a wrestling junkie, you were on an ultimate high. Mm -hmm. It was that it was just, it was just, that was perfect. But now all of a sudden, all right, now you're dealing with almost 900 wrestlers and uh, times two coaches and that, 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 that you're, you're dealing with now all, all of these logistics of everything's now four times the size of a normal term. Right. Uh, which means weigh-ins are four times as long and have to be four times as big. And uh, you know, so a uh, lot of factors, total lot of factors. When we first started all this uh, stuff, we had maybe 120 workers that worked and helped as, you know, I want to say volunteers, they were given a short little small stipend. Um, but people that did what they did volunteered, they took time off work and, and whatnot. We're up to 260 workers at this point. We, we won when we lost the palace, that was a big blow to us. Um, there aren't other facilities. That's what people don't realize that they hadn't had the, the layout on the Ford or on the palace floor. There aren't other ones, Van Andels and the, and the Kellogg's and, or I mean the, the K zoos that that doesn't fit. We'd have done it if it had fit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so when we went to Ford field, now we had to make a tournament uh, from a three day into a two day. So we added two matches per division. Next thing you know, now we've got 20 mats going on and we've got four divisions. You have to do it in two days. Um, you know, a lot, of, lot of moving parts, but I will say that after 25 years of us doing this and the people that we have in place, once you get going, there's a big sigh of relief. Yeah. Because yeah. it almost works itself. We're all wrestling people. We've all been to tournaments. Yes, this is a tournament on steroids, but it's still it's still a tournament. Okay, yeah. and we've been through tons of them, and we know how they run, and we know you got a first round, and then the constantly everybody knows what's going on. Right. Not everybody might not like the setup. Not everybody might not like the less than intimate settings. Um but we're having to look at the whole picture of things. And, and that's how the decisions are, are based. We, we don't make decisions without thinking them all the way through. And we make changes every year. Don't get us. We're not stocking our ways. If there's a better way to do it. We're so on board with it. You're dealing with wrestling people here. So um, <laughs> right. adapt you know, and survive. We do. Yeah, hello. Yeah. One of the things we talked about. Um, so, 
I got to kind of see from the coaching standpoint going from the two-day weigh-in or the two weigh-ins to the one weigh-in, and I, I think I've mentioned this, story, this uh, story on my podcast before. I remember winning my blood round match and literally having an official walk me straight to the scale. Now, I was four or five pounds under, so I wasn't really worried. But I saw a lot of people get their heart, their hopes and dreams dash because they missed their last weigh-in. Yes. And as you know, and you've seen it, I, I think the in 2001, he was one of my teammates. Guy made it to the finals and missed weight. Uh, I think his yes. name is Nate Garcia from Dearborn Fort Sun, I want to say. Um, and he doesn't have an opportunity to compete. Nor so does his opponent. Nor does it. Yeah, yeah, right. On, yeah. on the biggest stage, and it was at that point. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, uh, Coach T, but it was at that point we said things have to change. Mm-hmm. You can't have a, a second place podium spot empty because a kid was at two tenths of a pound overweight. Mm-hmm. So um, then we changed the timing of the, the weigh-ins. We didn't weigh in the, we, once you qualified to be all state, that's when you weighed in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and it's uh, so in as a wrestling purist, you know, it's a, it's a two day tournament with one weigh-in. And I, I know that, uh, that can because people are always afraid. Well, this kid, if he's coming down from let's say he's going out to the 152 weight class, well, he just weighs in the one day. Couldn't he potentially get up to 175 pounds in a 24 hour period? And when I think about it, I'm like, well, could they? I don't, I don't think so. Proper nutrition, and everything else, these guys are if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're working out so much, right? Maintain their weight, they're not yeah. going to go up. That it's not very cool. many of them are going to go up that high. No, um, no. But what goes into essentially like, in, in well, person that's with, when it comes to like weigh-ins and things like that, especially this the being our, yeah, this being our first time that we've done this, we um, have taken all that in consideration. There are always two ways of looking at things. So we did a um, a bit of an experiment ourselves. Uh, that we took as many of the semifinalists after their victories when they walked off the mat and took them to the scale and weighed, weighed them in. We tried to get a, a, a wide variety. Um, some obviously were interested in going elsewhere and we didn't want to prod them, but very much they were a lot of people, everybody was pretty cordial about it. And we just basically explained, we just want to do research. Because if there is a the factor that comes back that everybody has gained seven, eight, ten pounds, uh, then we need to revisit our one way in um, aspect. And to be honest with you, with truth be told, once we take we took the heavyweight um, weight class out because they generally aren't losing weight, and as a matter of fact, some of them weighed less after sure. wrestling a couple of matches than they normally would. Um, so we took that weight class out and we, we, we averaged out the average gain for the remaining 13 weight classes and the average was three and a half pounds. So there were exceptions. There were a couple that were double digits over, but all in all, when the dust cleared, that's what the data showed. So, um, read that how you will as well. We'll have further discussion, but those are the types of things that we do, even though we made a decision to do what we're doing, we wanted to make sure it was the right decision. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to back it up with some information. 
And uh, if, if, if people have something else that they want to think that needs to be changed, I'm all, we're all about change. Have a solution. Don't just have a, I don't like it this way. You have to come to the plate with a solution. So that's my love soapbox about the state tax. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I really appreciate, I mean, from a person that has been a part of the state meet in some capacity from a competitor to coaching uh, to being a fan, so to speak, over 20 years, I think that it gets better every single year. I mean, you think about, I think it's been the last five or six years, they've been seeding the individual tournament based on the regional champions. Yes. Uh, probably over 10 plus years now, they've been seeding the team tournament. I want to say since 2008, I, you know, I'll have to check my, you know, one, one of the cool sure. parts about this podcast is I have all this information, but I got to fact check it. You know? <laughs> so, right. I'll put a disclaimer in the, in the, in the, in the box there, but yeah. No, those are great processes. I, I'm fortunate enough to be on the team selection uh, seating committee, and there's a lot of thought that goes into the team, especially because obviously with the individuals, you've got your regional champs and then kind of head-to-heads and whatever. So a lot of it kind of plays out itself. Hmm. Um, but the, the, the idea of wanting to have increase your odds, let me put it that way, of having the best opponents in the finals – has always been the, the the theory there, right, right, and I mean we all have. I think about uh, John Dickerson from Eden Rapids, who was a returning state champion, and he was on the same side as Roger Kish from Lapeer yeah, West. Yeah, you know, exactly. and he had a great match. I think uh, the match was like seven to three, but that could have been the finals match. But because of the formulas back then, there was yes. no way to pull them away from each other. Correct, and uh, uh, and, and nobody. I mean, if you want to see the. the I mean, it's still, we want to see the best kids um, getting those opportunities, uh, whether it's to get to the finals and and with the seeding, it really does help. Correct. As well as the team aspect of things. You want the best teams to be there at the end and Mm -hmm. and their communities that pull on, you know, for their, for their finalists. And so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of positive, good things, you know, that they made of changes of that. So. Mm -hmm. So great. Well, last thing here, Scott, um, you've talked a little bit about, officials and what they need to do, you know, from communication, developing thick skin, finding a mentor, um, not being afraid to ask questions, basically, because it's we're all learning. What right. would be your advice to a person that's getting into the coaching ranks? Like, hey, I'm ready to be a head coach. I think I have it. What, what would you tell them? Well, obviously, uh, you, your association is very strong. Um, so uh, everything starts with an association. It, it, being an official, you need to belong to an association because that's who's going to give you your assignments and give you for being in an association amongst your coaching peers. You got to have somebody to bounce things off of. Um, it, it's it's tough, especially nowadays. You know that with all the paperwork and everything that that is entitled with uh, with coaching. I can I can only imagine. I, I that's one thing I don't miss about it, is 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 the paperwork, the paper trail, and whatnot. But you gotta you you gotta think go in knowing that you don't know everything. You know, adapt what you've learned positively over the years of coaching, but be a sponge. You need to go to these meets and you need to watch these successful people and what they're doing. You know, it's. And, and that's what I tell the officials as well. You, it's fun. You need to watch. 
you know, and, uh, but, uh, it's a great sport. It, it's, it's such a character builder. You know, that coach. Oh yeah. Oh, you yeah. know that. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a good, good, good thing for, for my life. And, uh, you know, all my friendships and, and, uh, I'm going to throw this out at your ref fest and, <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you about ref fest because the first thing about ref fest is there is no ref fest. Okay. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that note. <laughs> well, Scott, that's always been, I, I'm just so glad I was able to get you on and, and hear your insight and your story and, and the way that you've been able to connect with people over your 50 plus years, being involved in the sport and love everything you do and keep on doing it. Uh, it's really a pleasure every year to see you at the state finals and catch up. And uh, hopefully one of these days we'll be able to sit down and, and talk shop outside of the, the wrestling mat. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal, my friend. Great right. hearing from you. Appreciate you too, it. Scott. Be safe out there. You too. Take care. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad.